Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters Friday night, which means it's uh, three amigos night with me, Neil and Steve. How are you doing, lads? All well and all good. Right. All good, all good. Plenty to talk about, as always, as we look back over the last seven days at Newcastle United and uh, where to start, really. Um, there's, there's plenty we could start with. Let's start, I guess, with last night's game against Liverpool. I mean, I went down, um, you know, we were, you know... Talk, you know, talking about different results. I went online outside the ground last night and predicted Newcastle would lose three one. Um, I was right, and I think, I think that was a fair reflection on the game. Um, a game, however, which was tarnished once again by another bad refereeing performance. This is something we seem to be talking about on this platform um, week after week after week since the takeover went through. Uh, but it's an old favourite, Neil. This time, Mike Dean and the song echoing round Anfield was "It's All About You." Mike Dean, it's all about you, and it bloody is. Because it always is. It always is, but I tell you what, um, it's really difficult not to feel totally and utterly stitched up. If any, if we'd had any one of those decisions um, and things that went against with in in a game, would be upset and would still be talking about it. To have four or five in a single game from the same referee. For him to then compound it by lying, because let's get it out in the open, he is lying. I saw Hayden holding his back. You show me a single picture, a single picture from any angle where Hayden is holding his back. And then for Dermot Gallagher to come up and back him up on television, and he actually came out and said, well, he didn't see it. Well, which one's the truth? Did he see him holding his back or did he just not see it? Both of those statements are incorrect. And somebody is lying. And we need to call this out. Um, look, there's, I've even seen people saying Hayden was feigning an injury. Um, okay, let's let's dump the cells on your neck for five for 30 seconds and let's see how, how good you feel afterwards. Because that's, that's effectively... It, you know, people talk about a head injury. It doesn't have to be a clash of heads. It doesn't have to have, to have clarity going all over the pitch. Um, and I'll tell you something else, this game is compounded for me. The utter and sheer disregard to head injuries and concussion protocols that our beloved game has compared to others. Because I'll call our manager out for this. If if Hayden was dizzy and feeling all over the place for four to five minutes after that incident, he should be pulled off the pitch and put through a concussion protocol. Not that I think the football's concussion protocol is any good at all, because I know it's not shit, I've seen it. And I've had FIFA trying saying sports uh, medicine conferences, how great it is, and it's not. And I'm telling you now, if he was really dizzy for four or five minutes post that incident, if you sat him with an American football concussion protocol, he wouldn't pass it. It's as simple as that, he wouldn't. Um, but it also compounds this this sort of laissez-faire attitude to certain injuries that football has. Because if Meg Dean says, irrespective of whether he's, he's thought he um, believed that he saw Hayden holding his back. If you've got somebody crumpled in the middle of the pitch, um, normally anywhere else, and I would venture if that was in Liverpool's penalty area last night, the game would have been stopped. Mike Dean cannot make a head injury assessment on the spot like that because Dr. Bloody can't either. And, and Mike Dean's proved last night how just absolutely atrocious in the way with the fairies he is. That little hop and skip and jump and, you know, 
it certainly cannot help any goalkeeper to have a referee dancing across the bloody um, lane of vision like a ballet dancer at the last minute. Um, I still don't think Dubravka would have stopped the shot. It was a cracking shot. Um, but it, it, it's, it's things like um, you've got to take things in context. Even if Hayden was feigning a head injury, I can guarantee you if that was the Liverpool centre midfielder or centre-back in the Liverpool box, the game would have been stopped. It's as simple as that. You know, and, and so we've, we've got not just one, but we've got five or six different incidents. The tackle on Fraser. You go back and look at the tackle that Shea got booked for. It's almost identical. It's almost identical. And where was VAR in the middle of all this? This is supposed to be the thing. And, and yet, I watched the game last night at Rob's, who we know is a Chelsea fan. Um, there was a couple of other lads there, lads there supporting different teams. And they couldn't wrap their heads around what they were watching unfold in front of them. They were like, well, hang on a minute. There's, there's, there's stuff going on here. You know, and, and, and if you take the letter of the law, that tackle by Trent Alexander-Arnold, which personally I don't think these things are those, I think that, that old school, good old-fashioned rake and tackles. But if you look at it in slow motion, he gets the man before the ball and he goes through the man from behind. That, in any definition of the modern game, and the rules they're supposed to be consistently applying is a foul and therefore should be a penalty. And it's a carbon copy of the tackle that Shea got moved for. And it's all these things that today, normally after a game like that, I've calmed down by the next night. I've actually got more angry. I've been winding myself up all bloody day about certain things. Took the bend to the pictures, halfway through the pictures, I was sitting sitting in the back of my head, my head getting wound up about Meg D. You know, it's 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 flipping ridiculous, but it, and it's really difficult. I can understand why some fans feel that there's something conspiratorial. Um, and if the old adage is true that these these things even out over a season, by God, twenty twenty two is going to be fantastic. We're going to get every every single decision because we're getting out at the minute, absolutely out. And last night was laughable almost. If it wasn't wasn't so so gut wrenchingly poor, it would be laughable, but I cannot laugh about it because that just... And Meg Dean, yeah, we all know he's a Tranmere fan, but shall we talk about his two sons who are both Liverpool season ticket holders? What's he doing referee in that game? This, These things need to stop as well. We'll get that other Pratt from Bloody, who claims he's an Altrincham fan, referee in games against both Manchester clubs. Rubbish. Yeah. Rubbish. If we, if we got somebody from Hexham and he said, oh no, I'm a Carlisle fan, and yet his two sons were Newcastle season ticket holders. I'm telling you now, there'd be hell on if he ever refereed it to Jim. You mentioned Gallagher there, Mitch. You mentioned Gallagher. I, I, I don't Aye. know whether you've seen it. I, I just want to read this out to you guys. Uh, Dermot says, it's a really tough call. You look at it over and over and over again. Different people have different opinions. The referee can't be certain it's a penalty. Therefore, he gives the benefit of the doubt to the defender, as he has to in law. He will have discussed it with VAR because that is how tight it is. They cannot overturn it as there hasn't been a clear and obvious error. Have, have you ever heard anything so ridiculous as That's that? Rubbish. There hasn't been right a clear and obvious error. I'll I, I I tell you what we, what we clearly need now is those make, microphone conversations to be made public and to be recorded and be broadcast. Exactly. Let's, let's have them out in the open. Let's have them out in the open. Let's hear your discussions. Let's hear what your thinking is. 
Now, if we hear what the thinking is, and, and sometimes you might hear, see a decision, get a really very look about it, and hear a referee go, oh, well, I saw X, Y, Z, but I didn't see this, and I'm not really sure. Yeah. It might soften the blow a little bit. But You're right, it might. Until something like that happens, um, this is make, it makes VAR relevant. VAR's an absolute shambles how we apply it in the UK. Yeah, he then he then goes on to say they can't re-referee the game. He's talking about VAR here. So VAR cannot re-referee the game. Mm. Uh, so they have to go with the original decision. So the original decision was no penalty because the referee made a sign to say no penalty on the pitch that everybody could see. And and he spoke to VAR and he said, I'm not giving that as a penalty. That's what that's what Gallagher's basically saying. Whether Gallagher's heard it or not. I don't know, but I, whether Gallagher gets a, gets something in his ear in his house that tells him what the PGMOL or whether he gets a copy of recording, but according to this, Gallagher knows what's being said. And then he goes, um, on the evidence he's got, he can't give a penalty. He says he can't then go to the monitor. And I'm thinking, what? He can't go to the monitor because his referee's already made a decision. That's like oddball to say the least, isn't it? I mean, where does that come into into play. I mean, I've never heard of, I'm, you know, it, it's as though they're making these rules up as they go along now, isn't it? You know? Um, and I, well, I, this, this comes what down, doing is that all... down to a discussion that you and I have had for months and months, if not years, about PGMOL, the professional yeah. body that look after the referees in this country and who runs it and how he runs it. And I, I remember being at a Premier League meeting where they tried to t- tell us what the offside rule was going to be for a particular season, and we were going, what? And he used they, they actually had the audacity to use examples. This is going back probably four or five years. Examples of penalty decisions going against Newcastle to prove to other fans sitting around the table that it, that the referee got it right on the offside decisions mm. of the fouls committed by the likes of Stephen Taylor. That tells you how long ago it was. But they were using they were using evidence. That was that was games with involving Newcastle United to justify yeah. some of the poor decisions that they'd made, and that was pre-season. That was at the start of the season when they were making making up new, you know, the the new interpretation of the rules. It's a farce, man. It's an absolute farce, and whether it's corrupt or not, we can't say because we're not in a position to call it corrupt, because we have to be very very careful what you would what you would want to utter. But on the evidence of what we're seeing. There's got to be questions asked in the house, as they would say, hasn't there, regarding how yeah. the, how these officials are officiating games, and certainly this season, how games with involving Newcastle United are being officiated. How long does it take to make a penalty decision? You know, when we, when we sit for two and three minutes at St James's Park waiting for a penalty decision to be made by uh, a referee that in the game against Norwich is the last example. Yeah. And you and how it was clearly and blatantly a penalty. What we're waiting for now, and I mean the clock's ticking and it's ticking and it's ticking. You're thinking, what's going on? I mean, it, it was it was though they were in American football terms trying to run down the clock in the hope that right. we get half time and right. then they don't have to make a decision again. That's the, that's how crazy things have become, man. Yeah, it is absolutely bonkers. Uh, and it, let's just hope Mike Dean doesn't do another game for us this season. Steve, it's, what uh, was the feeling like on the terraces at the time last night when that decision well, was made? 
we made it clear singing singing those songs. You know what I mean? Um, it's all about you. I mean, it, it got an error not once, not twice, but three times because there was more controversial decisions. You know, throughout the game, he even managed to get in the way. Um, as, as Mitch rightly pointed out, of that, you know, uh, Alexander Arnold shot, which ultimately would have gone in. I think anyway, De Bravka didn't have a chance to save it. But even that, when you watch the replay. He runs in front, you know, he completely unsights people. And I mean, it, uh, he's just useless. He um, shouldn't be anywhere near the... You've also got to remember, Steve, he ran in front of, of Shelby, who was going to be challenging and, yeah. and presenting himself to to uh, Alexander Arnold as he was taking a shot. So he runs it. And it's only that split second difference that it makes between getting a block in or, or pausing or, or, you know, that, that sort of split second mindset that, that is there. That, that disrupts the player. And, and he literally um, disrupted the player because of his poor position. And I've never, ever seen a referee, when he's in that position, go that direction in the direction he went. Except him. I'm, I'm sure he's done it once before, either earlier this season or tail end of last. I was looking for it before, earlier today, and I kind of find it, but I'm, I'm convinced I've had this conversation about Meg Dean Why in recent months. That's another question. In the midfield area, the ball is watching in front of the ball. Steve, we're gonna have to we're, we're gonna have to pause you there, mate, because your your reception's gone a little bit. So we'll we'll it's let you get, the robot. We'll let him get sorted out. Is he back? Yeah, it's your internet, Steve. You've you're frozen a bit there, mate. Okay, he's, he's going to go and sort things out. Um, let's take this one from Dave Havery, Mitch, while um, Steve's sorting his internet out. Hi, guys. Given our relegation rivals are getting time off and games in hand, etc., do you think the EPL should take a break, if not for fairness? And, I mean, this has been something that's been discussed at all the press conferences today uh, between all the managers, including Eddie Howe. And um, it doesn't really make it a level playing field when some teams are going to have potentially three or four games to, to fit in towards the back end of the season. And that's whether you're fighting... You know, for a place in Europe at the top end of the table, or fighting the relegation battle at the bottom. That that's true, but games in hand bring a very interesting kind of pressure. Um, they're only useful if you actually do something with them. And if it, if it gets to the tail end of the season and you haven't packed two with two extra games in and you're squeezing them in the middle of the week, what does that do to your squad? And if you don't take advantage of one of them, what kind of internal pressure does that bring on yourself? Um, I think the the more prudent questions to be asking is what are the Premier League doing in a, in a, in a time when they're producing more positive COVID tests uh, than ever? Um, what was Guardiola doing going over to um, Aguero's press conference? What, what was the point of him being there? He's a Man City manager. He should be concentrating on Man City. And now he's chucked in an inconclusive test, so he's Press conference get gets cancelled. There's a good chance that probably turn into positive. Um, whose decision making is that, and where, why is he allowed to skip around like a like a fanny going to some bloody press conference? He can have a little cry at when actually he should be being responsible and showing his squad about responsibility about what you should and shouldn't be doing in terms of uh, sticking to rules about isolation and not getting positive tests in your squad. Um, um, it, it's it's not just football it's affecting it's, it's affecting all sports worldwide uh, American football have just gone absolutely nuts they just had their biggest fortnight for COVID positive COVID tests there's people being put on the COVID lists left right and centre 
Uh, I think Washington are now in a position where they get they 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 having to think about how they're going to play a quarterback because all their quarterbacks are suddenly now on the COVID list. You know, so it's it's not just just the Premier League. It's, it's affecting sport worldwide. Um, I've got to say, it does seem to be sensible to talk about having a fire break and having a, a ten to fourteen day period whereby um, fixtures are postponed. Um, to allow you know people to get this under control because it's obviously many many clubs. It's not not just one have uh, mm-hmm. failed in their duty of responsibility to isolate correctly and control the spread of COVID throughout the squad. And so, if they can't be trusted to do it right, then the one, there is one way of doing it, and that's just to shut the game down for a fortnight. Um, but then, what that does to the end of the season again brings interesting questions. Um, but and as frustrating as it might seem, ironically, it's something that could work in our favour. Yeah, you just never know. But uh, it is what it is. We've got to kind of put up with whatever decision those in charge come up with. They don't seem to be coming up with very favourable decisions for us at the moment, by and large. Um, but uh, that all helps the siege mentality for me. What about you, Steve? The question from Dave on the screen there. Uh, what's, it, what's your thoughts on this? Because, you know, a lot of people, including our own manager, Eddie Howe, uh, feel this could lead to a, an unfair playing field. I think Dave's right, you know, and I, think, and what, what I agree with what you're saying. It's, it's looking more and more likely that there's going to be some sort of fire break put in and some sort of uh, stalling of the season. Um, whether it comes at a time that suits Newcastle United or not, you know, I, you can... You can see what's going to happen. You can see us being forced to play Man City uh, on Sunday, on Sunday, and then um, we'll be COVID-free still, and we'll be the only club that's COVID-free. And then Man United will come out of their COVID problem, and because we're still COVID-free, we'll be told, "Oh, you have to play Man United on the twenty-seventh, while everybody else is still off." Because they've even brought the game forward tomorrow <laughs> or on on Sunday by fifteen minutes for broadcasting. So you can see the broadcasters are desperate to have a game played. Um, that wouldn't that would not surprise me one iota, and that will just add to the conspiracy theory that everything's going against Newcastle United at the moment. But uh, you know, it it does seem to be getting out of hand. Um, but when you have irresponsible, and I, I, as much as I like him as a manager, as much as I admire what he's doing, be as irresponsible as the likes of Pep Guardiola to just hop on a plane on Wednesday morning and fly over to Spain and then fly back with an entourage of people from Manchester City and then suddenly find that uh, he, he's when he arrives back in, he then fails or or doesn't have a, a, um, a negative COVID test. He has what has been described as inconclusive. And it's things like that. You're thinking to yourself, well, I thought you, I thought there was a football bubble. I thought clubs were living in a bubble. I thought, you know, we're getting told you're being tested day in, day out, et cetera, et cetera. But if, if you're then going to have people who are allowed to fly around the world or fly down to Spain for a, for a you know, what was basically just a, a nod and a wink to a player who used to play for Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, and happens to be on the books of, of, of 
Guardiola's ex-club Barcelona and that we all know how Barcelona like to make a song and dance about everything, whether it's a player leaving or a player uh, retiring or a, or a, a manager that's coming in, etc., because it all adds to the pomp and circumstance um, because there's so much goes on around Barcelona anyway. And I just find the whole, the whole thing sticks in your throat, um, especially when fans themselves are being told, you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to do that to get into the games. Um, you know, you've got this form to fill in, you've got that form to fill in, you've got this app uh, that you've got to have details on, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems like it goes out the window when managers just want to do whatever they like, because that's what it looks like. Whether it's whether it works like that or not, you know, who am I to say? But in the in the cool heart of it, that's what it looks like for the likes of me. It looks like people are taking the mick, quite frankly. Yeah, I would agree, mate. I would agree. Um, next uh, question is a football-related question on the screen, lads. And uh, Mitch will come to you. Robert says, anyone else notice that our press is five to ten yards off the opposition, but they are onto us, uh, causing havoc? I mean, uh, it's it's about changing formations and, and getting used to Eddie Howe. He's only been there a few weeks. And, um, you know, it's going to take time. But what I see are, you know, signs of improvement every game and not just individuals, but across the board. And, it will come good, I feel. I'm still confident we, we've got the capability of getting out of this relegation battle that we are in come the turn of the new year. And if it means, even if there's a little break, which would do us a, a world of good, it has to be said, um, I think that would help massively. What's your take on it, Mitch? Formations and mentality, it, it takes time to change a culture. Uh, and we've got into this, uh, we've had three years of, of uh, being poorly trained and randomly coached uh, and playing this sort of uh, deep lying, hit on the break, not on the front foot. Um, must be very hard to shake yourself out with that. Um, also, really, are the personnel good enough to play the type of game that Howe wants? Um, and are they fit enough to do it for 90 minutes? They certainly weren't when he first came to the club. Um, I think that's certainly changed now. We do see positive signs. The game yesterday would have been very different, in my opinion, had um, the game been stopped when Hayden was down in the box. It's as simple as that. They get back to 1-1 and it's a different game. If we could have frustrated them that bit longer and kept them out till half-time, that would have been a different game. not saying we would have won it. Um, we might have nicked the draw, uh, which we, we would be cock a hoop with. Um, it's it's yes, you see signs of encouragement, but also there's there's things to question still. Uh, whether that's all going to be addressed in January, possibly. Um, I think there's some tough decisions to make about certain players, and and I think what he injects and who he injects into the side in January is now very, very critical if this is the style he wants to stick with him clearly. Steve, what about you? I mean, have you seen signs of life? You, you, you know, you've been lucky enough to see them at home uh, this season um, or unlucky enough, depending on uh, your, your frame of mind. But I mean, you know, joke, joking aside, you've, you've seen the team this season. Um, how do you compare, you know, the team under Bruce to the team under Howe? 
Well, the first thing I'd say to Robert is that they're 50, five to 10 yards off the opposition's an improvement on what we had at the start of the season, where it was 15, 20 and 25 yards off the man. Um, what I also noticed yesterday was that I don't think on one occasion during that entire game did we play the ball from Dubravka to one of our centre-backs in the box. That seems to have gone after the mess-up that they made on Sunday. That 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 style of play, I noticed that it was it was very much play, either playing out to the full-backs or, more importantly, playing it another 15, 20 yards further up the field in a tend to be Dubravka picking the ball up and throwing it wide or, or kicking it. Um, in terms of whether we've seen improvement... Um, Yes, we have we have closed down a little bit more. We seem to have a bit, a little bit, not much, but a little bit of a better transition between defence and midfield. Uh, we haven't got that transition between midfield and attack yet uh, with the forwards. Um, whether that is down to the fact that I think, and and, and and this might sound this might sound critical or overcritical or overhyped, but. Are people, are, are opposition managers and opposition defenders starting to suss out San Maximin? Are they starting to realise that, you know, if you just let him go with a ball, he'll just go wherever he wants to go and you've just got to track him and you just, you know, you can send him into blind alleys if you want because eventually he'll trip over it or he'll knock it and, it, and his final ball is not very good. You notice he's not getting the breaks like he did last season. For example, the goal against Burnley where he's running at, at central defenders face on and he's able to take the ball on drop a shoulder two or three times, beat the man and put the ball, maybe do some little jinx on the edge of the box with just the goalkeeper and a shot. He's not getting those opportunities now. What he's getting is he's getting it with either his back of the goal or he's turning back in when he gets the ball and he's then taking it down blind alleys. And he's also not getting the opportunity to lay the ball off to anyone who's coming up and supporting him, whether that's because they are not in the position to support him or whether he's not capable of looking up and seeing how he supports that particular player. Or, or lays the ball off to someone who's in a better position. Um, I thought centrally in midfield, I thought we looked composed and we, we looked as though we had a shape with the three. Um, I was impressed uh, with Fraser. Um, not that there's anything really to compare because we haven't seen Fraser um, that much in the last sort of 18 months anyway since he's been at the club because he hasn't really had either the run of the green due to injuries or opportunities to actually play in a position that that, that is, he's probably suited to. Um, a bit like Mitch, he's, he's, he's still finding his feet, isn't he? <laughs> Aye. Uh, but that, that, those type of things, I'm, I'm, we're not getting the best out of out of Wilson either, I must admit. You know, whether Wilson, you can see his head dropping at times because time and time again, he's making the run. Um, and, the, and the ball's not being placed to him or he's totally isolated when it comes and there's two or three people around him. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of work that's going to have to be done and whether or not it's going to be this squad who's doing the work or whether some of them are just going to run out of time and they're going to be replaced in January and they're going to lose their place in the squad. Um, who knows? But uh, certainly five to ten yards is a vast improvement on what we saw at the start of the season, Steve. Oh, 100% mate, there's no no doubt about it uh, at all uh, Thanks, keep your questions coming in We uh, we do struggle to get to them But I thought we'll get a few up early doors Got a few other things to uh, to talk about tonight uh, As always And a few of your uh, regular uh, slots Going to uh, start with Tweet of the Week this week <laughs> 
some great tweets and uh, some of them which will uh, will will notably uh, cause a bit of debate as well I think amongst the chat but uh, some of them quite humorous and not all about football uh, as I always say if you've got a tweet of the week please give me Neil or Steve a shout let us know what you're thinking and uh, we will try and get as many on as we can um this was rather insulting towards me and Holly um, after our singing in the car, I thought, from Steve Corbett. Um, we were singing Big River by Jimmy Neal. We stuck it on YouTube as one of these short videos that you can do. And um, he sent us a picture of a load of cats outside his house after playing the clip, Steve. <laughs> I'm, not seeing I'm, not, I'm not getting embroidered in that one, Steve. That's I made my Steve, comments at the time. <laughs> Uh, Moxie Mag, um, just pointing out on Twitter that uh, we're going to need a bigger boat as uh, all of the games at St James's Park are getting sold out week by yep. week. So uh, uh, quite a good play on there. This one really dominated Twitter this week after the Leicester game. Um, Terence Ross, it was good to see him down Leicester. Uh, he said Tom Daly would be proud of that, uh, which was uh, rather cutely followed up by uh, this photograph. Uh, doctor, of course, from Andy McClay saying another Leicester City Football Club successful penalty training session completed by Madders. And uh, there is uh, Madison in the pool and Tom Daly on a very well doctored photograph. Thanks. Uh, as you know, it's not always football related. This one did make me giggle. Uh, one of my friends on Instagram uh, had posted this. I am here for you. Thanks. I'm going through a tough time, so it means a lot. And sorry, I've lost all my contacts. Who is this? This is your Uber driver. I am here to pick you up. <laughs> Classic. I love that. I love that kind. I love that kind of humour. Um, this one um, was was one of two from Doug of the Corner, and uh, Doug, Doug, you need to give him a follow. Doug of the Corner. He's also the dad uh, of one of the lads from the Kays, the group. Yeah. Um, football. Then try and kick the ball into the goal. Football now. Try and kick the ball against someone's arm near the goal to get a free shot at goal. He's <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. He, he, is, he is right. And then he followed this one up. Um, the Chronicle, as you know, always um, put up photographs, as do Newcastle United after away games. If you're lucky enough to be in the camera lenses view, you, you sometimes end up on the yeah. web. And uh, Doug went, lovely picks, NUFC. Any chance of deleting the one on the right? As I told the wife, I was going Christmas shopping for a present. <laughs> of course, Doug. Clearly shown. Clearly shown. This one's a good one, Steve, from Elliot Slesser, um, yes. the, the snooker player. Snooker player. A bloke just asked me if I had any idea where he could get a new wig from. I said, not off the top of my head. <laughs> you just look in the top corner of his photograph. <laughs> Good Classic. stuff, Elliot. Uh, we'll have to get him back on the show soon, big Newcastle fan. Jim White having a pop at uh, my mate Simon Jordan. Uh, might dip into this on my flight back from Dubai shortly. Need something to get me drowsy. And, of course, it's a copy of uh, Simon Jordan's book, Be Careful What You Wish For. I wonder whether uh, I wonder whether he did indeed read that and drop off. Jamie Boyle uh, put this. Team with Pucky for Norwich City. And when he was on Celtic. On the right-hand side, those of you who watch Squid Game will appreciate who that guy is. But uh, I thought that was quite amusing. Um, this one from Stephen Clough, Steve. Yes, because uh, Stephen is saying there, uh, if only we had some sort of additional video intervention to double-check these sort of things, we could even allow the referee to review it, if necessary, on the pitch-side monitor. 
I can't believe that this sort of thing doesn't exist already. And you know what? Anyone who had watched the Leicester game would have thought exactly the same, wouldn't they? And last night. I think that's what he was referring to. That was brilliant. Um, This one was from Fessel. After 28 years, cheating ex left for a younger woman. That Christmas, the kids wanted them at the house. When cooking, I put on a latex glove, stuck one finger up each of the dog's bums and wiped them across his plate and let it dry on. Watching him mop up the gravy was a pure pleasure. <laughs> I do like I do like visiting that page every now and then, and I think that it does give you some kind of satisfaction. I think from uh, some of these people's true revenge stories. I think, but uh, yeah. that popped up on my timeline. I thought that was uh, that was a true must. Confessions, I think it's called, Steve, isn't it? It is. Yeah, Ross Gregory having a little bob dig at the fact that the week before we'd beat Burnley and uh, put a team four to one, celebrating. Uh, this was after the Leicester game. I'm guessing there's no dressing room squad photo today. <laughs> you think you're right, Ross? Ross, definitely. He, he was definitely, definitely right. Uh, Graham, I love this. A flashback. Who remembers this? The old Bill checking your boots for steel toe caps. Uh, they also made you take out your laces so you couldn't boot anyone. Always had a spare pair hidden away. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> He'll be a managing director now, that lad, won't he? Ah, <laughs> uh, just a little bit of uh, just a, a little bit of yesteryear. It uh, it doesn't do us any harm, does it? Uh, this one, um, again, Joe Heenan. During lockdown, I wrote a script and I sent it to various people. I've just received this email from someone at Netflix. Never give up on your dreams, dear Mister Heenan. Thank you for the script. It's one of the best we've ever read. The writing's superb. It's tense, funny, and non-stop action. The only problem is, it's a script to Die Hard. You've literally sent the script to Die Hard and changed the title to Mr. No Shoes and the Shooty Shooty Bang Bang Christmas. Never contact us again. <laughs> That's brilliant. That was brilliant. The best best tweet of the week this week was uh, for me was this one. And you might be thinking, well, Steve, that's just the back of the programme. Why are you showing us a back of the programme with... Saunders Barry, Rankin Thomas, Francis Dane, Cole Dixon Gavin, Andrew Scott, Rodriguez Kennedy, Eek Peter, Smith, uh, Smith Gary, Henderson Brett, Ikachoku Aguma, and Taylor Robbie. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because there's been a complaint going to the league. Here's the team sheet for tonight's game, and we are absolutely furious because Sydenham have fielded their players to spell out SRFC are shit. We know this for a fact because Dane Francis, a striker, is wearing number three. I hope the league committee throw the book at them for this. Absolutely brilliant. And I do remember when Sunderland did that in Newcastle, so uh, it is quite commonplace, that kind of thing. But... uh, Fantastic. Keep them coming. Love them. Don't have to be football related. Get your tweets in uh, over the next seven days and um, we will have them on the next Three Amigos. Thank you. Now, Steve, I want to start with you on this one because um, last night at Anfield, um, we were uh, privy to uh, the, the, the new kind of terracing at football grounds, real seating. Get that in the Gallagher, eh? uh, says NUFC chance uh, when he looked at our photograph that we put on last night. I've got to be honest, I loved it. And we had seen this, Steve, as part of a, a display by the FSA, haven't we? Um, you, yeah. you kindly sorted this out. 
got it up to Nine Bar a few years ago where we used to do the pre-match on Stell Street and you actually brought it to us. Uh, that's the first time that I've been, because obviously I'm back on the road with Newcastle now with the kids being older. First time I've been to a ground with that. It was brilliant. Really liked it. Plenty of space and very safe. But that's got to be the way forward for, for football stadia, hasn't it? I mean, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, the question at Newcastle, obviously, is where it's put. And I know that, that there's, there's a, a suggestion that it should be the Gallagher end. And I can understand why someone would, would suggest the Gallagher end. Um, it... If if you're gonna have if you're gonna have standing, then you've got to make it safe. That was I think that was the whole nub of everything that's been said about safe standing over the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years. And you're right, Steve. We brought up a nice little display by uh, John, who was one of the main. Uh, I was going to call him an agitator, but I suppose yes, he is an agitator because he agitated the football authorities for God knows how God knows how many years now to bring in safe standing because there was a way of standing at a football match in safety behind the barrier. Um, the one that we saw was an opportunity that was going to allow you to actually double or treble your attendance because that that particular setup was going to be there was a seat for European games but where you were standing behind these particular barriers you could actually have two people in that location or even three people that's the sort of setup that was was well one of the setups that that, that John was was proposing at the time um obviously the authorities and I've spoken it many many times with the football club it's been mentioned at fans forums over the years um, Steve Story, uh, who was the head of, of safety and security at the ground, um, he went up and I know that he, 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 him and his team have seen it in operation when it was put in at Celtic a couple of seasons ago, just to see how it looked and how it, was, how it could be policed and what it meant. Um, but the system that you saw last night, Steve, I believe is one person, one seat, and then that, 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 that is your location on a European game where it's forced to be sitting then the seat is dropped so that it's not it's it's in place, and then the seat to give you a little bit more space to stand is then raised up and it's locked into place so that it's, it, it you, you don't need to sit down. You can stand in safety. You're not going to trip over anyone. You're not going to trip over the seat next to you that's 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 broken or in a downward position or there's a particular barrier in the way. Um, and and you're right. If 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 people are going to stand at football matches, you've got to provide the safety and security. And this is what safe standing is all about. Um, great to see that a club like Liverpool trying. I know Manchester United have installed a, a little section in their ground for safe standing. I know Tottenham, when they reconfigured the new stadium, um, they included a, an area where it's safe standing. I believe Chelsea have, have also gone down that line. Um, as I say, Celtic, I know that, they, that there's an area there in the in the uh, in the corner that uh, they're particularly vociferous and vocal. Um, support as the, the Green Brigade, I think they're called, they, they occupy. Um, and it's, we know fans are going to stand at games, so we stand in safety and you, and you put, put a particular area together. Um, is there any way you're saying that's the first time you've seen it, Steve? And yeah. other than what we saw at the, at the, the old stage door nine bar, um. Be interesting because you, you know there'll be a few more games this season where you might get the opportunity to witness it. But interestingly, that was in an away area, 
that you you know you you you're actually they've actually done it for away fans, and that shows there's a little bit more thought gone into it in Liverpool than would have been perhaps with some other clubs where it's only specifically for a singing section in their particular area of the ground. Um, I don't know. It's bad enough being in level seven, isn't it? Without uh, having to stand in level seven, and then you've got at least the safety of a barrier in front of you would probably make people feel a little more more comfortable um, for the away sections because they all stand anyway at St James's Park. But uh, no, I mean it's the way that it's going. Um, it's it's sensible. Um, it's just a case of whether clubs um, have the wherewithal within them in the, within the boardroom to uh, to actually make it possible. Um, but I think this is when dialogue with fans becomes very, very important uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that it's done in the right place, in the right part of the ground, and that fans who don't want to stand, who want to sit, are given the opportunity to have their say as well. Because there will be fans, for example, if you stuck it in a particular area of the Gallagher, that would be would be required or would be seeking to move. I've come across situations just in the in the recent past where even one or two fans are being asked to move. Uh, from a from a section of the ground into another section, and the club can't accommodate them. So God knows what that would happen if there was suddenly a, a what would would it be another save our seats campaign that would be started because people who have been sitting in that particular area of the ground want to remain seated? Is it become a young v old situation? I don't know. But this is these are all the things that would crop up. We know it'll crop up, but this is where dialogue with fans who understand the situation and can 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 come up with some so sensible, coherent argument for and against where and not where, etc., etc., through dialogue with, with main main bodies of fans who are going to be impacted. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether Newcastle do move. I, I suspect that, that anything at Newcastle could be around um, or wrapped around the any redevelopment of the particular, let's say the Gallagher end, for example, because at the moment we believe that's the only place that could be redeveloped. Um, in the in the the very short term, but uh, who knows? Things move quickly in football, don't they? It, it, when when they want to, sometimes yeah. it's, sometimes it takes thirty years. <laughs> very true, mate. Very true, Mitch. What's your take on this? I mean, obviously the you know the introduction of uh, All Seater Stadium came off the back of a horrendous loss of life at Hillsborough. Um, you know the removal of the fences, the uh, the installation of new grounds, and you know the Taylor report forced all that upon football. Um, there had to be a, a period of of grace, and I think it's been a you know a, a much needed one. And I think football's reinvented itself; it's made it more of a, a family friendly game. We still have issues with you know with with homophobia and racism, which still needs to be driven out of football stadiums. But it's not as rife as it was back in the eighties. Is this a step in the right direction, do you think, by clubs like Liverpool to, to put this and, 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 and to trial it on the way ends? Because, again, like I, I certainly I certainly thought it worked last night and it didn't affect the atmosphere. It was actually, it was actually quite good. It's a discussion that absolutely needs to be had. Um, to, to say there's absolutely no way to have safe standing in football grounds, particularly in modern grounds. The design's very different, the way you filter into the ground and the way, the way you filter in the areas is, is being changed massively. So you don't get these pressure points and surges, which all contributed to what happened with Hillsborough. Um, the, you know, the design of the grounds are very, very different. Um, like Steve already says, I, if I remember right, there's two different types of the real system. There's the one-to-one model, which I think is what you were in. And then I think it's the 2.5 to one, 
model, which is sort of it's, it's basically for every two seats you can get five standing in. And I think that's what they use in Dortmund, if I remember right. Um, and and certainly it brings a different type of atmosphere into a ground. Very thoughtful for away fans. Because to be honest with you, going from my time going to away games regularly, I can't remember sitting in a seat for a long period of time in the away end uh, ever. And so I think it's a debate and a discussion. You said, you're, you're right, there's things in the grounds um, that still happen that need to be stamped on. Um, but it's a very different time and a very different world. And we should be bringing it all to task and sorting it all out and having an adult discussion as football fans, which we're not allowed. You know, we're not allowed to have an adult discussion as a football fan. You're treated like an idiot uh, in general. And and still that happens now. You know, how can I go to say Newcastle Falcons one week and stand on the stand on the terrace with a paint in each hand and enjoy the game and then go to St James's Park where I've got to sit my bum on a seat and I'm not allowed to drink within viewing of the viewing of the uh, sight of the pitch. Um, it's it's a very yes, they're very different sports with very different fan bases, but. Um, surely these days we're going to be allowed to be uh, brought into discussions as an adult and safe standings very much one of them because I think it, it would contribute to atmospheres in stadia how many stadia now even Liverpool last night I've reading people on Twitter saying you know apart from you know the singing at the start they were relatively quiet as a crowd and we outsung them all night um, so you know it, I, I think as a way to help atmospheres and grounds, it's certainly something that would make a difference. And there'd still be a, a core of people who would want to stand with their mates on the terrace. Um, whether I would want to or could now, <laughs> don't know, maybe I've become too gentrified in my football support. But um, it, it's certainly something that needs to be had because there's definitely a thirst for it and definitely a want for it. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a, there's an element of protectionism as well. By the way, Mitch, at, in clubs at the moment, um, and I'm sure there's an element of protectionism in, inside Newcastle United at the moment among those who have been part of the hierarchy for the last 14 or 15 years, um, because they have their own opinions on safe standing. We know that they have their yeah. own opinion on safe standing. It's very much along the same opinion that was had by Lee Charnley and the same opinion that was had by Mike Ashley, which was we're not going to go for it, we're not going to support it, we're not going to we're not going to defend it but we're not going to support it either. It wasn't even a sitting on the fence, if, if, I'm, if I'm quite right, because it was very much, well, we've been to see it, but. And whenever there's a but that comes out in Newcastle United, that but tells me that it actually means, you know what, we're not interested. And that's the way it came over. In, in all the discussions I had in the, in, as part of the fans' forum, when Safe Standing was discussed, it was always... Almost they couldn't trust you. Almost they didn't. They did. A, they didn't want to spend the money. The money. The money element got thrown in your face straight away. This would be too costly. And um, we'll look at it. We'll think about it. You know, all of those sort of off the cuff remarks that get made. Um, but it, it came down to trust, and they weren't willing to have adult conversations with fans because they knew that the fans. The fans would win the day whenever there was an adult conversation that revolved around what the fans wanted and what the fans, um, what would make it more comfortable for fans and what would make the experience better for the club because there was an element of we know best. And I, I suspect within 
the corridors of power at St. James's Park, those same people are still there. So those same elements will still exist. Whether those people have the ear of the new owners and or, or the new owners allow different conversations to be had um, to, to allow them to shape where we're heading as a football club, that's a different matter. And that's a matter that will 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 come to fruition in the next sort of you know maybe six to twelve months, and um, maybe shorter, maybe it's longer. I don't know, but you know the dialogue needs to be taken place. But my concern is that the dialogue between the club and the fans will be being taking place with the people who have had that negativity towards various aspects of the fan base for an awful long time. And I don't think those are the people who can be shaken from that. And what I'm getting at is that, for example, if you went to the new owners and said, I think we should have safe standard, you can almost guarantee that somebody within that corridor will be will go at them and say, by the way, this is a bad idea because of X, Y, and Z. And we've had this conversation, we've had this dialogue over the last 10, 15 years, blah, 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 blah. And then it'll be, oh, okay then. Rather than going to the and saying we want to have the dialogue again and we want to have a proper dialogue and we want to, we want this investigated and we want a feasibility study and we want it but we want it done it quick because other clubs are doing it and we want what's best for our fans and what our fans want it's 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 never a case when decisions are made at Newcastle United it's never been a case of making a decision because it was something that the fans wanted it was always something that Mike Ashley or that the people behind the scenes wanted. And in ten, nine times out of ten, those were negative decisions that were being made. And I'm looking forward to the time when we start and get some positivity decisions made. Um, but as I say, my worry is that the people up there who are in the ear are maybe not the people who are best suited to help in that dialogue to move forward. Interesting. Um, we will uh, obviously watch that with interest as, as things progress. A couple of things... Um... Ryan puts that post up about, um, you know, why don't we just complain about things or blame things that we can can change, like ASM selfishness. A lot of people critical of him. I want to point your attention to this as well, uh, which was in The Athletic this week. Machine Joe Linton liberated this Brazilian is perfectly suited to house style. We've now got a song uh, to the tune of She's Electric uh, for Joe Linton, which um, I never thought I'd see the day. Um, that Joe Linton would have his own song and that the fans would be reveling in him. But players, I guess, let's talk about those two in particular. Joe Linton's been a revelation under Eddie Howe and ASM has gone backwards. Mitch, what, what's your take on both the players? Uh, well, you know, there's somebody who said, I felt there was a player in Joe Linton for a while. Um, personally vindicated that he's come to fruition. He's put the work in. You could say the same about Warren Barton. There's a time I bet you, you would never expect it to be someone Warren Barton sent apart. And you know what the, the commonality there is? Is they're prepared to push it. Prepared to work. And they've worked their way out with it. And worked their way out with their initial um, doubts in the fan base by showing that they actually give a monkeys and put a shift in. And and so, yeah, I can see similarities in, the, in that. I think it's time to start to ask questions of ESM. Um, I, I, he, he, I bet he's a terrible poker player. <laughs> he cannot hide anything because his his tell is the is the funny little limp he gets when he's <laughs> when he's decided he's had enough. Uh, and and then initially I thought I was just seeing things and being cynical, 
But now I, I'm now beginning to think, yeah, when he's had enough, he's had enough, and the limp happens, and he just wants to come off, and I'm done now. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, and 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 you you think he was carrying a bloody Glock in his pocket, the way he limps around, you know, and uh, nah, I think it's time to ask some questions. Maybe it's time to take him out the out the firing lane a little bit. Um, give him a give him a, some time on the bench and, and and look about how we make him work. Um, I thought yesterday's selection was an interesting one. The way to use the SM, um, as Steve said earlier, have people who organise defences worked out that he's quite happy to run into a blind alley and do two or three little step overs and then think, oh shit, what do I do now? Um, Certainly, like like I've mentioned before in here, though, who do you replace him with, and what are you what are you replacing him with? Because if it's say Almiron, I can ask the same of Almiron. His work rate's fantastic, but what what end product has he brought to the table? And so um, there's some very the next few weeks are gonna gonna see where how obviously sits on that again about who he brings in and what happens to these players and how they're used. But uh, it's frustrating because we know ASM has the ability in him to win a game on his own, on his day. And 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 I make no bones about the fact I'd always try and find room for somebody like that in the team. But now, after last night again, there was a couple of times he should have played a ball when he didn't. And you question his decision-making and, and his sort of mental toughness in terms of in the heat of the moment. He reverts to tight and wants to do another three step overs and go past the man again. When actually just playing the ball in first time would have been a sensible thing to do and potentially could have caused more havoc. Um, and sometimes flair players like this are mercurial and frustrating. Um, but in the situation we're in, I think it's now time to start asking the questions is it, it's not what we want, it's what we need. And do we need that? Uh, I would want that. I'd always want to find room for someone like that in the team. Uh, I've said that, I think, on here plenty of times. Um, but right now is what we want, what we need. And I think that's the kind of questions we need to be asking. Steve, I mean, two players, um, you know, couldn't have been a you know, more juxtaposition a position if they tried uh, six weeks ago. Joe Linton, you know, the, the butt of jokes, um, you know, people scratching their head why the 40 million have been paid. A scouse mate of mine rang me up the day and said, who is that centre midfielder you've got, Joe Linton? He's absolutely brilliant. And I was like, wow. It really just knocked me. And I, and I know why he said it, because again, he was, he had a good, he had a good performance last night. ASM again, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of people overreacting to ASM because this is what ASM has done since he came to the club. He's the most exciting maverick that we've got at the club at the moment. And when he does things right and he's on his game, he's brilliant. And I, I'm always very careful these days not to go out on the social media and have a pop or give me opinion too early, only because you only ever get a chance unless you're sitting in an executive box um, to see the game or, or an incident in the game once when you're live. And it's usually at the opposite end of the pitch, you know, which you've got no chance of being able to give an accurate description of. So I, I have watched match of the day back and 
ASM probably played better than I thought he did last night. So I'm glad I did that. But he's still so frustrating. He releases the ball at the wrong time. Uh, it, you know, he holds on to it too long. Um, maybe there's the scope here for somebody who's a good coach, like how to, to get the best out of him. He's just going to have to find it how. And I think a lot of the shrugging and, and huffing and puffing only ever comes from those kind of players when they're not playing where they want to play. You know what, Steve? The thing with it that annoys me and the thing that worries me is that the body language then starts to impact on his teammates because the body language is a message to his teammates that he's getting frustrated with them as much as frustrated with himself. And you can you can see among the squad, and certainly in yesterday's game, the number of times where he was saying, I wanted that ball at my feet. But A, you've got your back to goal. A, yeah, 60 yards away from the opposition's penalty box. And C, you're surrounded by three players. And I've made the decision as a, as a midfielder or as a fullback that I'm not going to play the ball to you there. So he then he then makes some representation to, to, to his teammate. And his teammate's response is, you know... Well, I'll not repeat before the watershed what the response is. But you know what I mean? So it, these little things will start to impact the squad going forward. As the more frustrated he gets with himself, he's showing that frustration against his teammates. And then the teammates will start to resent him because he's not actually performing. He's not actually producing the goods. I mentioned earlier that he runs up into blind alleys. There's only so many step overs you can take. And I think opposition players have sussed them because they know that if if they just stand, they can stand and watch them and they can watch them do step overs and they can watch them try and twist and turn because they know he's going to come back. As soon as you let him go one way, he's not going to he's going to then going to drop the other way. So they're standing off and they're allowing, or they're facing right up to him, they're hitting them straight away. And you get the likes of a Sean Dyche who Got the his his team got the run around a couple, a couple of months ago. Well, what six or eight months ago, and and where he actually destroyed them, and then they go up against them a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, just just hit him and just annoy him, just upset him, just block him, block his runs, etc. etc. And that's what he's that's what he hasn't learned, and that's the frustrating part of him. Yeah, Joe Linton, on the other hand. And I'm I'm going to sound critical here, but when you're coming from such a low base, we're actually making him out as he suddenly turned into Ronaldo, you know, or Messi or somebody like. That. He's he's not, he's nowhere near the finished article. He's nowhere near the player we're now building him up to be. But the, <laughs> excuse me, I'm having I'm laughing and choking at the same time at the thought of it, but. The base that he's come from, he's been so rubbish that he does even the minutiae of, of what needs to be done and he's going to look like he's really, really graphing. Yes, he has put the effort in. Yes, he does look slightly faster and fitter. But he's <laughs> he's frustrating like Shola Amiobi is frustrating because you know at some point he's going to trip over those size 12s himself. He's not going to trip over them because somebody's in the way. He's going to trip over them because one size 12 is put in front of the other size 12 and the other one comes clattering up the back of it. That's that's what it looks like at times. It looks like he's it, like the ball is jelly and he cannot get it out. 
It's like being in that five-a-side pitch where the, you're playing with one of those furry footballs that sticks to sticks to your toe or sticks to the ground because the ground's a little bit wet or a little bit sweaty or whatever, you know, in terms of like the condensation inside at Elden Square or something like that. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, this ball's all over the place. It's stuck, it's stuck under his, got no air in it or whatever, you know. That's what it looks like when he's playing. Now, honestly, I... When I'm reading and seeing people going, he's the he's 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 the best. He's he's performing, yeah, because the the base that he's come from is so low. And I'm I know that sounds critical, but it's the way I feel. I'll probably get a message from Stewie in a minute telling us, yeah, he agrees with us, you know, either that or it's going to be the other way. And I'm going to get loads of messages telling us that I'm talking a load of rubbish. But that's what it comes over to me, as Steve. Um, yeah. And it, I'm I'm sorry that it comes over like that because I don't like criticizing players. I don't like that. I think you know the effort that the lads put in. Uh, yes, I should be. I should be. But I'm I'm expecting an awful lot more. And it's it's still forty million quid, and it's still that sack of potatoes on his shoulders until we start seeing goals regularly and we start seeing him making making moves and, and putting the ball in that gets those goals that we're looking for with his with his teammates. Mm-hmm. It right. doesn't look like. He's gelled into a player that that he's looking after himself, but I don't think he even knows where his teammates are at times either, you know. So fair enough. Good assessment. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It's all about opinions. And I think um, yeah, I, I think there's progress, but I can understand why why you're saying that. Uh that's the first hour done, lads. Wow, flies over this uh, show. We are going to be doing something live next week, guys. Um, and that is gonna be really exciting because Mitch is coming over, um, COVID restrictions and you know, getting through France being permitted. Um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to get together in my office and just do it off the laptop and then go and have a couple of Christmas socials. I think that's the plan. We're going to sort out the day. It won't be next Friday, obviously, because next Friday, of course, is Christmas Eve. So we will be doing it when Mitch uh, gets here. Once once he lands, we'll, we'll plan it out. We'll do, we'll probably only do an hour, I would have said, unless we can get through more than that. But we'll we'll do something for next week. And do ever get Christmas week. I do like to have a week off. There's plenty of stuff premiered on the channel. Um, done a lot of uh, events over the last few weeks and months and uh, managed to record them. So you've got plenty of entertainment. We have done a couple of specials. I have done my dream team. Young Holly uh, interviewed me and I finally done my dream team. Uh, me and the lads from the retro team have done uh, the European nights um, with with mm. regards to the retro games, which is fantastic. Uh, Holly and I have agreed we will do a live at some point over the festive period, either before or after the Man United game. So you will get one live show to listen to. So there will be plenty of stuff on. You'll have a show a day. Um, it gives me an opportunity to have a week off. It gives the guys and everybody else uh, a chance to have a week off. So, uh, you know, obviously we want you to enjoy your Christmas time as well. But it just means you can dip in and out of uh, of the stuff. And, um, you know, we won't let you down. We we'll still have a sh- uh, seven shows a week. So don't worry uh, about that. Okay, on to the next section. Day I Met, where we ask you to send in photographs of you meeting somebody who used to play for or manage Newcastle United. And uh, three crackers this week. Keith Moore, thank you for this 
a wonderful photo of KK in his managerial days at Newcastle United. And uh, there he is in his KK Adidas tracksuit. Great photo that. Uh, this one from Paparazzi. Uh, my wife, Julie, with Callum Wilson. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Having a coffee, I believe, but uh, thank, you. thank you for sending that in. Lovely, uh, lovely photo. And this one from Toon Mad, Stuart e. Mick, uh, one of my favourite players, he says, Joey Barton. Absolutely thank fantastic. You. Keep them coming in. Send them to me, Steve or Mitch, on Twitter, and we will uh, get you into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> It's time for the Food Bank uh, T-shirt, or should I say jumper. Christmas jumpers are all the rage at the moment, and uh, I've just stuck that on my Twitter, at Steve Wraith, uh, walking in a Keegan Wonderland. It's a one-off Christmas jumper, uh, and to win that, you just need a bid. Uh, it's an auction, and we will be auctioning that off for the next six days. I'll do the draw on the 23rd of uh, December. Uh, to bid, follow at Steve Wraith on Twitter, and simply bid underneath. And uh, the highest bid, uh, when I announce it on the 23rd, will be the winner. And uh, I'll put you in touch with the relevant people for you to pay for it. So that is your latest food bank effort. Uh, big shout out, as always, to our sponsor, Spider VPN. For all your internet security, Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of the search list. And uh, they are the boys to trust to protect your computer, whether it's your photographs, passwords or whatever get a vpn today from spider vpn thank you to skipsandbins.com as well telephone 0800 25 45 25 3 inquiries at skipsandbins.com website www.skipsandbins.com easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection thank you also to lng family funeral directors 01913897245 and to garden of healing dispensary CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists, www.thegohd.com. Thanks also to Arcot Interiors, uh, top kitchen specialists uh, found on Heaton Road. Uh, just Google Arcot Interiors. All of their details come up, and I'm sure if you mention any UFC matters, they will try and do you a good turn on the price. Q-Tech Shop as well. QTechShop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the people who run our website. And if you want to uh, get onto our website, get your phone over that, and uh, that will take you straight to it. Put your camera on top of that, and a bit of technology takes you straight to it. You can uh, buy a membership pack, become part of the cult, and essentially uh, go into the monthly draw. But NUFCMatters.com, lots to be had on there, but that's a, a little bit of... Uh, computer trickery which will help you and um, Newcastle Legends logo is in the bottom right hand corner click that to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already hit the thumb up to like the video click share to share to your social media and drop into the comments box to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans or to pose a question we're also available as a podcast on iTunes Spotify Podbean and the rest usually goes up within 24 hours of the show going live. Uh, we've got a couple of events coming up. Uh, last chance really to get Christmas gifts in over the next six or seven days. Um, you can buy them online at Group on a voucher. It's an afternoon with Peter Beersley, Sunday the 30th of January. Get yourself onto Group on a voucher, search that event out, and you can pay 
uh, online and send somebody a gift. And we've got a couple of others coming up. Uh, an evening with Mick Mahoney on the 14th of January and an evening with Steve Watson on the 28th of January, both at the Irish Centre. Tickets for both events available at newcastlelegends.com. Just click shop. And uh, don't forget the back page is selling uh, books galore, including the Pavel Cernicek book and my book, Every Boy's Dream. Pop in, give Mick and the lads some support uh, at the Metro Centre or St Andrews Street. Uh, some great bargains in there. It's one of those places where you go in and you just wander around and, and, and generally could spend an absolute fortune. But uh, it's Christmas. If you can get in there, you might see something that uh, your lass or your auntie or your granny could buy it. Well worth popping in uh, to mix two shops. He needs the support. You've got to support your local business during these uh, harsh times because it looks uh, not looking too bleak after Christmas. We're looking bleak after Christmas, we could be going back into some kind of lockdown. It certainly looks that way. Okay. Uh, last thing uh, before we get into the uh, uh, the competition that QTech runs is the food bank, of course. NUFC fans, foodbank.co.uk. Match day bucket is operational uh, 365 days of the year. But we ask on a match day, if you can't get to the match, just to make a, a virtual donation. It can be 20 pence, it can be 20 quid, it can be 200 quid, it can be more. NUFC fans, foodbank.co.uk is the place to make your donation. Don't forget me and Malcolm as well are at the Dog and Parrot. Pre-match on Sunday, we will be there from 12 midday and uh, we'll also be back on after the game at 4.30. So if you want to come along and meet Supermac uh, and listen to what he has to say pre-match and post-match, then there, uh, that is the place to do it. Dog and Parrot, just up from Central Station or across the road from the Centre for Life, that is the place to come and meet Supermac, Malcolm MacDonald on Saturday and it's free of charge and kids are welcome. Right, okay, the uh, Q-Tech competition, uh, the Q, uh, uh, the, the clue last week was Somersault with that, that rather uh, nighttime photograph of uh, St. James's Park from beneath the uh, the arch uh, just outside the Irish club there. Uh, so the second clue is this. 1st of April, 1974. Oh. 1st of April, 1974. So write your answers down to both of those and... Um, we will have another clue in our show next week and then one more the week after. And uh, we will announce what the prize is in the next couple of weeks. But uh, that should be interesting. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, unfortunately, tonight we won't be seeing Toon Tipster. Um, he's uh, not well. He's on his sick bed and he's hoping he's going to be okay for the match. Uh, so we won't have his uh, dulcet tones uh, joining us for the last half hour. Uh, we will be reviewing the match uh, a little bit later, but um, as as everybody knows, we always have uh, our regular our regular slot, which a lot of people enjoy, and that is to look alike. Some near the bone ones this week. I mean, and some some just blatantly not lookalikes, but um, we'll, we'll we'll look through them anyway. I've. Uh, Started with this one, which is from Arnold. He says, Thomas Vermeulen and Jude Law. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very good. You could, probably, you could probably stick Andy Carroll on the end of there. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Looking as wistful as those two. Um, but yeah, I like that one. Um, very good. Very good. Uh, this falls into the category of last week, really, because Rachel had mentioned in the chat um, how much Joe actually looked like lo that local actor, Mark Benton. And and I tell you what, that is doppelgangers. 
And they're both from roughly the same area as well, I think. Right. Maybe Stu's dad had a bike. I wonder whether Joe's I wonder whether Joe actually knows him or whether he's ever come across him because there must be similar ages as well, maybe. So I, I don't know. That's interesting. We'll uh, ask Lenny on Sunday. We will. We did have uh, Ben Jacobs on last week, and I did howl at this one. Um when Andrew suggested that Ben Jacobs could actually be Jesus Christ superstar. <laughs> I can see it, like, I can see it, definitely. Uh, when he, he could have given us a miracle last week uh, down at Pretty yeah. Leicester, that's for certain. Uh, how about this guy from Big Cook, Little Cook? He's a doppelganger for Ben Jacobs, says uh, Dane Toon. Wow. <laughs> that is... <sighs> Same dress sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, <laughs> He's got a blue top on. Um, Albert, oh dear, Albert. Albert, yeah, Albert, 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 Albert. I haven't put many Alberts in this week. Um, Albert, I just don't know what on earth you're on about. There is a remarkable resemblance between a chimpanzee and me. Only because you've superimposed me face onto a chimpanzee, man. For God's sake. Oh my god! And you, you keep doing videos, and I can't use videos, so stick the photographs, Albert. But uh, thanks for that, anyway. Uh, Hungary at USA.com. Uh, just wanted to know if that was me in the right uh, black clothing, getting splashed from passers-by. I mean, it's such a distant photograph. It could be. Um, well, it's not, but it, it could have been. Um, I, I get that. I get that's what, what you are trying to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not me. It's definitely not me. Uh, this one um, from PJ. Whoever did this, I owe you several beers. This is genius work. Well played. That is that is class. That is yeah. what that is what superimposing a head or a face onto onto somebody is really about. For that those is... for those not too sure whose uh, uh, heads Andy Gray and uh, Richard Keys have been put onto, it is of course Gillian Maxwell and. Uh, the uh, late Jeffrey um, Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein, yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, a perfect fit, one might say. There, I would, uh, I would, I would hasten to add that uh, this isn't one that I really condone, Garfield. But um, I, I, I did. You've sent us it, so we will show it, um, and we'll, we'll, let, we'll let the we'll, we'll let the public judge for itself. But um, there's our Matty, and there's the puppet. Um, I'm not sure where you're coming no. from with that, other than that they've got ginger hair, mate. And I've got to be perfect. He probably looks more like the guy on the left. Yeah, <laughs> I, right he, he probably does. Um, people will have noticed a distinct lack of Steve Hasty content, and, and, and it seems to have dipped off. And I'm not sure whether Steve's using like the old man in the shed techniques, where he's doing subliminal threats on videos <laughs> to stop people uh, to stop people sending these in, but. Um, Thanks to Sam for restoring parody and sending yes. sending this. More Steve Hasty face masks available since his haircut. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm not having that. <laughs> there you go. Oh, brilliant. my God. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. We don't plan this show either. That was class. Um, this one from Albert. Um, is actually pretty good, but if you follow Albert on Twitter, Albert M seven zero nine one one nine six two, God, he makes it difficult. Um, that actually moves. It's a video, and I thought that was yeah. really good. And we've had the Quaker man before. Wow. Um, 
but I think the fact that it moves is quite good. So yeah, well I, done, Al. Like, a warning. <laughs> oh, you did. I restore, restored yourself here. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, uh, anyone know why Steve with uh, Steve Wraith watched the game in the cup end tonight? Uh, God, how man? Me beard, me beard's not that grey, not yet. Anyway, I've got a few grey hairs coming through, but it's not that bad. But yeah, I can see that. I can see the likeness, mate. I can see the likeness. Uh, this one uh, it was a late shout from Murphy. He goes, and I'm sure this guy won't be too happy about this, David Warner, uh, no. getting compared to Jeffrey Epstein. You know, you know what? I couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, not <laughs> after the way the cricket's you going know, at the minute. Going over in the ashes. I couldn't care less what David Warner thinks. <laughs> yeah, the cricket's not going too well at the moment. Garfield did put this one in as well. Toon lookalikey, Toon tipster, and Professor Honeydew from the Muppets. Poor Joe. He's not even very well and you're still having a go at him. <laughs> He's not well. We're coming into the uh they're coming into the final furlong tonight, and um the the top four are as follows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was sent in again from some kind of media outlet. Um somebody sent it in and they've screenshotted that from a media outlet. So yeah, I can imagine that the people of Scotland have probably had a field day with that one. And yeah. uh, this one from Toon Barmy. Um Kurt Zuma and actress Leslie Jones. <laughs> I tell you what, right? You look at it, it's it's the smile. Yeah. And the eyes are quite similar on that one. You can see, you can see why. Toon Barmy Two's gone for that. There could be brother and sister. There could be. There's a distinct, there's a distinct likeness there, mate. But that I'll give you that one. Um, I love this from Albert. Bielsa and Jack Duckworth. Now this is getting close, I Yes. Guess. Yes. That's the real context of what a lookalike is, Albert. So you've nailed it this week with that one. But you've come uh, you've come into second place, I'm afraid, because I had a I had a much better winner. And it was this one. Now. Who does that look like? God. I'm trying to think what's coming next, mate. Uh, well, I do. I not, to think what's coming next. It's not you, lads. It's not you. Miguel Delaney, of course, from <laughs> Two Barmy Two. <laughs> there, can you see it? You're looking at the face, lads. You're looking at the face. Yeah. There you go. It's the no, no. It's not. Be, it's not a beer belly. That's a baby. He was the first man to give birth. Not Miguel right. Delaney. That guy. No, right. Okay. You didn't give birth to Miguel. I'm, I'm glad he clarified that, Steve. That, yes, that, that was really the clarification. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, that is my winner this week. Toon Barmy. Uh, thanks for your submissions. Uh, keep them coming in. Send them to me. Send them to Mitch. Send them to Steve Hasty. Uh, we always like to see the lookalikes, and um, they always we always get a laugh out of them. So please keep them coming in. Yeah, keep them coming in to uh, me at uh, Twitter and, of course, to Steve and to Mitch. We always enjoy seeing those lookalikes. And uh, there has been some uh, rather bizarre ones this week, but uh, also some uh, some rather good ones. Uh, we are now going to start looking ahead to the match at the weekend. And uh, we say tentatively that it's going to go ahead, but uh, we're not 100% sure. 
um, if it is or not. There seems to be a lot of discussions going on. Um, it seems that Pep Guardiola, of course, uh, now has uh, COVID uh, or has failed uh, a lateral flow, probably needs to take a PCR now. But um, we're not 100% sure what is going on. Press conferences have gone ahead. We know that the game has been moved now uh, from 2.15 to 2 o'clock because the match prior to that has now been called off. So Newcastle's game will kick off at the behest of Sky Sports. Uh, who clearly uh, dictate what goes on full stop. We've got no uh, no say in this at all. doesn't really make much of a difference anyway. 15 minutes, it's neither, near, neither here nor there. Uh, there are a limited number of tickets available in home areas, so uh, you will still be able to pick up a ticket if you want to go and see this match on Sunday. Um, as for injuries, well, Paul Dummett, as we know, is still out, still injured. Fernandez. Remains out as well. We know he's going to miss, miss most of the festive period. Uh, we still await news, of course, on the condition of the two players who were injured at Liverpool, uh, Alison Maximan and Jamal Lewis. Uh, hopefully, uh, both of those will be fit and at least ready for selection. Uh, as for Manchester City, uh, they arrive at St James's Park on the back of seven, yes, seven successive Premier League victories. Uh, and the most recent, a 7-0 win at Leeds United. Eight games away in the Premier League this season have brought six victories. The only blemish on their record is a 1-0 defeat at Spurs and a 2-2 draw at Liverpool. Referee, you almost dread this uh, uh, for Newcastle at the moment, is Martin Atkinson. Uh, this is the second time he has refereed one of our games. He, of course, refereed the West Ham game right back at the start of the season. VAR, which is constantly switched off for our games, is uh, Craig Pawson. And as I've already mentioned, the game is live on Sky Sports. God knows who's going to be in the uh, studio. Uh, let's hope they perform better than Graham Sooners did uh, when he was on uh, the other week. Uh, God, it's, it's just it's just a conspiracy. The whole lot's a conspiracy. Uh, no Toon Tipster this week, um, but we do have uh, our old friend Toon Stato. Hello amigos, fresh from the defeat yesterday at Anfield, we are still at 10 points after 17 games and it doesn't get any easier on Sunday against reigning champions Manchester City. However, this is the stat that I would like to start with. Newcastle are unbeaten in their last 5 games at home against the reigning champions in the Premier League. So they can make it 6 and this will be the first time that they have such a record since 1996. Also, Newcastle has scored seven goals against Man City in their last three home games. And we know that uh, they won one, the famous win with Rafa, and then a 2-2 draw with Steve Bruce and the 3-4 defeat last season against this opposition. Man City, on the other hand, very dangerous opponent. I was checking for their record win in the Premier League. It's 8-0 against Watford. And their second biggest one was the 7-0 thrashing of Leeds last week. Eddie Howe doesn't have a great record to say, that, to put it mildly, against Man City. Played 10, lost 0-10. So he's looking for his first points against Man City. And uh, Man City have scored against Newcastle in the last 25 games. 
If they score on Sunday, they will equal Arsenal's record for most games scoring against the same opposition. Arsenal has done it against West Bromwich Albion. Let's see what the game brings us on Sunday, lads. Yes, let's see what the game brings us indeed. Uh, yeah, again, this set of fixtures. We, we always knew it was going to be difficult. Leicester, uh, Liverpool, Man City, Man United. Uh, it was never going to be a happy festive period for us. Um, we're taking solace out of the fact that we only lost 3-1 last night and uh, managed to get a goal down at Anfield. Um, it's going to be interesting, um, Mitch, what happens at this, this weekend because... You know, the game could be postponed. I think that would be the best outcome for everybody. This game suddenly gets postponed, it gets put back, we've spent some money. It's suddenly a different ball game when we when we have to play this game. But this game goes ahead. Um Man City's got their tails up and Newcastle are still in a slump, as as Toonstat has already mentioned, ten points. Um and if results start going against us, it you know, that can have an effect on the mental side of things as well, can't it? It can. Um, what I would just love it is to see is to see we play like a team that's getting out to lose. If you know everybody's outside of uh, our fan base, I'm quite sure everybody's expecting Man sorry Man City to rock up and thump with. So why don't we just go and give it a damn good go? I want to see we're going down. If we're going to go down, may as well go down swinging. I mean, last night's performance, in some ways, was a performance like that because, um, you know, as I said before, take that first goal out. When do Liverpool get the first goal? Do we frustrate them at half time and do we, you know, manage to eat a point out of it? We've just got to keep the intensity and keep playing the way we are. Um, Man City, on the day, is a short against Leeds, and by God, I wish I'd been in Goodfellas the other night when. When Leeds got the thumping off Man City, I would have had a little smirk on my face in the corner of the bar, that's for sure. Um, you know, it, they were they were very good, but Leeds were also apparently very bad. I didn't see the game, but certainly Bielsa wasn't happy with his team at all. Um, we just, I, I just want to see, we play with the same level of intensity and give the same, same goal. Uh, losing Lewis is a blow because he looked like he was settling in really well and seemed to like the playing style and was making left back his own. Uh, and when a hamstring goes like that, it's usually a bad sign. You know, that's that's probably a grade two. At least that's going to be eight weeks plus. Um, and that that's not great. Um, but also, you know, coming into January, if the game was postponed and we've got a different pair, pair of full-backs, a different centre-back, and somebody different pulling strings in midfield, then, you know, yeah, it's a totally different discussion. Um, on barring Man City returning a raft of positive tests, so I can't see the game being called off. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to go ahead. Uh, like, like you say, the, 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 the kickoff time being in 15 minutes is really no biggie, but it really does just show who holds the power in terms of setting fixtures for football. It's all about television, as it has been since that letter I got back as interim chair of the trust in 2010, about the Plymouth game being moved at short notice. Nobody gives a monkeys. Yeah. You know, I saw Darren Curry talking about it on Twitter, you know, look, I've spent in excess of 500 quid on hotels and tickets for Southampton and 
one other game and they could all be just called off at the last minute and nobody thinks about the fans. Anyway, course, course at all. Never do. Um, I know it's only 15 minutes, but the point's very, very valid, I think. Um, with regards to the game itself, like I say, I just want to see we play with that intensity. Keep the mentality going. We genuinely have nothing to lose. This is a free hit. Nobody expects we to get anything out of the game. And they should be the games that teams in the bottom end of the table should use to say, right, just go out and give it a go. And let's see if we can make something happen. Let's get in their faces and make it difficult, as difficult as we can. We know they can play 80% of the possession. We know they can play silky 14 pass moves that end up with a shot on target. We've seen it all before. They've got players in their squad that have genuine footballing gifts and can do anything on that day. Uh, so what have we got to lose? Um, as long as our goal difference doesn't take too much of a battering, I think I'll be reasonably comfortable going forward. Um, but I'd just love to see the right kind of intensity show that the, they've tried to take some positives out of that Liverpool game. For all, it felt like the dice was they've been stacked against with then so. And then, then move on to Man U and take it from there. Steve, um, it's it's you know the end of a really difficult week. This and yeah. you know it, it, it really, I think Mitch is right. It's a free hit, isn't it? It's um, you know it's a game which in in the, in recent times we, we've we've given a decent account of ourselves under the last three, you know, the, under the last couple of managers. Sorry, under uh, under Steve Bruce. Uh, under Rafa, um, not the prettiest of displays, but we, we've managed to do something at home against City. So it's if you have a go at this, you just never know, do you? That's right. I mean, and and you see, in the end of a difficult week, it was the start of a difficult fortnight. You know, Man City, Man United, and then Everton. <laughs> you know, when you on paper, you, you you look at that and you're thinking, oh God, it's out the frying pan into the fire. Um, quite honestly, but. <laughs> The thing with Man City is, I, I watched City against Wolves last week and they were playing against 10 men for a long stretch of the game. And quite honestly, I put on Twitter and I, and I seriously meant it. This, this City, when, when their mind's not set, when they want to play a ticky-tacker football or whatever you call it, um, they could put a glass eye to sleep. You know, when, when, they, when, they're not, when they're not clicking, when they're not... When that when their attitude is well, we're going to win this game anyway, and then you see Guardiola getting frustrated on the touchline, and you see you know uh, the the ball not quite running right for them, and then the following week they can go in against Leeds and they get you know, a three out up after twenty minutes and they they romp home seven nil. That's what City can do to you. That's the quality that they've got. Guardiola makes changes because he's unhappy about the way that played. In a in a in a one nil home win against ten men, he makes wholesale changes, and the, the the attitude of the of the squad changes with it, and they go out and put a performance like that in. Um, this is this is what you're up against when you're playing class players. When when you drop when you drop a player of quality, and you're bringing a player of quality in, or when you're making making those changes because you can make them now. I heard Eddie Howe saying that he might have to start rotating. And I'm looking at who we're going to rotate. 
you know, and the only rotation that we seem to be able to make and would be on a spit roast. That's the only rotation that can happen that's going to get you anything in a barbecue because, quite frankly, rotating players, we haven't, unless, unless you're happy with rotating poor quality with poor quality, I can't see that we could rotate some 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 players to 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 instill confidence in the squad or to to bring a result out or stuff like that. You know, it's just not it's just not happening with we. Um, we tried it yesterday with 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 dropping or resting whatever the word you want to use. Um, Callum Wilson and putting him on the bench. I don't think for one moment he, he wanted to bring Callum Wilson on at all yesterday, you know, especially when you're when you're two one down and, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh God, but I've got no one else on the bench that I can bring on. I I, I was surprised he didn't bring Dwight Gale on actually, because I think he, he was genuinely resting Callum Wilson for what's coming over the weekend, plus with the fact that we've we perhaps do have a chance with Wilson against Man City. Um, up against the way that their defenders can play because the fullbacks do tend to push on so much that we might be able to exploit some space. Um, and we know that Callum Wilson had a booking, uh, and he always does have a booking in him, and now one booking would, would take him out of the next game. Um, but City are a quality team. Uh, there's no question of it. Probably playing the best football of anyone in that league, um, without a shadow of a doubt. Chelsea have, have, have slipped up of late. I think what what Liverpool have is that Liverpool have a galvanising sort of team ethic. Um, but there were stretches in that game yesterday that I thought, you know what? Other than the fact that they're, they're getting into you um, that much further up the pitch than we are doing to them, um, there was always there was always the chance if you had some quality that you might have nabbed something at the other end. It, it's a different ball game altogether, and you're going in and it's containment, containment, containment from the start. Um, how's it going to play out? I don't know. I honestly don't know, Steve. Um, I, I just, I just, I think we're going to go into this game thinking, and probably from a fan's perspective again, thinking that this is another free hit for us. And uh, if it is. Um, you never know. You never know what's coming. If Guardiola's not there, how will their squad um, feel? What will what will the attitude be? Who sits? Who stands on the on the touchline? Because it's Guardiola or nobody, isn't it? When it comes to the advice and guidance that seems to get given out um, on that on their uh, from their dugout, uh, you don't see you don't see other members of Guardiola's team up there um, sending signals. It's Guardiola and only Guardiola. It'll be interesting if he's if he's not available, um, and also whether if he does possess a, a positive test, whether that impacts on the rest of the squad. I got a little message there from from uh, from one of our friends who lives in Spain, and he said, you know, my comment earlier about Guardiola going to uh, going to Barcelona, um, and 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 then picking up COVID and the contempt that it is. And he said, you know what, the way that Spain is at the moment, he was probably safer in Spain than he would have been if he'd stayed at home. And yeah, I accept, I accept that he's probably he's probably right. And you know that's that that's the way that it, that that's the way that football is at the moment. You know, um, and you and you're probably right. But uh, let's when we get into predictions. This is where it's going to be. It's going to be horses for courses, isn't it? And where we're heading. So, 
Yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, look, let's get a prediction off you now, Steve. Um, we'll come to Mitch. We know Mitch is going to do a prediction now when he does his dice tomorrow. Um, but give us your prediction now. Um, you know what? I always go into a game with a positive attitude. I always go there hoping for a win and expecting the win. Um, I don't go there expecting to be shocked. Um, and and tomorrow, I think I think there's every possibility if you if you face up to them. And you don't give them the space that, that that they need that you can get a result against City. You can get a point and possibly walk away with three. And and me heads me help me heart's telling us that I can see another two one coming from Newcastle against City. Um, but me head saying, you know what, they could romp two or three against where and it could be three nil. I, I I predicted three nil for Newcastle a couple of weeks ago and got hammered with a three nil in the other direction. Um, in fact, it was last weekend, wasn't it, against uh, against Leicester? Um, but I can I can see, you know, if things go against where I can see see City ripping us apart at least three nil. Um, but like I say, me heart is saying, look, you get it together, we're going to have a two one win. So. <laughs> Okay, you're going for you're going for two one win. I'm I'm going to go for two nil, which is you know my conservative estimate. Newcastle are going to get beat, but I think it's going to be two nil. I went for three one last night, so we'll see whether I can get the double. I was miles off with Leicester. I thought we'd get something out of the Leicester game. Um, Mitch, I know you're going to do the dice tomorrow morning, eleven o'clock. Nice. With, uh, Mick Lowe's will be joining us again. Stu Penman, oh, I'll read uh, me and you. Um, but what is your what's your your heart overhead prediction? Well, my head over heart prediction is three one city. My heart over head prediction is one each. Right. The city having a man sent off. <laughs> or two. Don't or know three. where that come from. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I, I think realistically City are gonna win the game. Right. Realistically. I agree. Um, I agree. I can't say going any other way. I think City will win that game. I, I um, hate sitting on here and saying that. I hate Going against our own side, yeah. but we've also got to be realistic. And 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 realism says, play this game a hundred times. City are going to win it far more often than not. Um, we may get if we can take our chances because I think City do give chances. Uh, and and people are. Not always great to take them, and I think they've also got some very decent defenders who take up fantastic positions, and that's that's the big thing. It's the starting positions are always fantastic. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, realistically, I think three wants it. You know what it is, Mitch? There's always space to exploit when you play City because of the way that they yes. play. And if you've got the players who can exploit that, and if you've got the players who can look up and 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 play off each other and and make the decisive pass at the right time. You can get something. That's the thing, yeah. you see. But it, it that's very much a mindset as well, and and very much how we line up. And if we if we can ex, if we can get into those positions where we can exploit that space that they that they give up because they don't they don't you know they, they literally do. They're, they're so much an offensive team that sometimes from a from a a, a defensive point of view. That there, there, there is, there are situations there that you can exploit, but it's it's whether you've got the the players within your squad that can do that, and 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 whether yeah. the mindset in them is to is to focus on on doing it at the right time, 
you know, taking advantage at the right time. Because there will be opportunities during the game. There will be opportunities from set pieces yeah. or the opportunities from corners or the opportunities to break. Um, and it's whether or not, as a team, you're supporting each other to, to exploit those opportunities. It only takes one, um, one opportunity. Take your opportunity and then stay tight at the back because they do have this this situation where they just play the ball in front of you constantly, mm. and it, and then the, we we saw Leicester do it quite effectively where they play the ball and then that quick one-two that exploits the defence um, and 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 gets around our midfield. But you, if you're tight and you're compact and you're working as a team, then you can nullify that. And we have seen teams do it against City and it does frustrate them. Uh, and it, it frustrates their manager more than it sometimes frustrates their players. And it rubs off on sometimes with these substitutions yeah. and stuff like So it's it's how the game pans out and how the mindset of 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 our players is on Sunday that'll that'll make that that'll give you that extra one percent that you can get. Um, where you can get a result, and that's what I'm hoping, and that's what I'm praying for that we that we can that we can do that exploitation um, aspect of the game that will that will take us to 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 getting at least a point because the, we don't want the gaps suddenly starting to appear over the Christmas period, and more importantly, we don't want to run out of fixtures where teams have got fixtures stacking up for them and I know we could go back years and we could talk about the situation that Newcastle ended up in when we had our run-in against with Man United where we ended up playing three games in a week and stuff like that and they just cruised through um, it, and, and you become it becomes that exhaustive but if yeah. we're, we're getting games ahead of other teams but we're not picking up the points that's the, that's the concerning part of me where all of a sudden Burnley have got two or three games on us and then that that's that's potentially nine points, but there's still only three points adrift from where you know, or we're only three points adrift from them, but they've got three games in hand. That's that's the that's the the, the worrying side of the game that that, mm. that this whole COVID things bringing in and this whole new dimension that managers are now going to have to cope with and squads and players. Yeah, can we pick three goalkeepers on Sunday, says David. I, I did suggest that last night, I've got to be honest, about Liverpool. Well, I picked two last night, did you notice, against Chelsea? Because of because of his fitness situation, Rafa actually put two goalkeepers on the bench. I don't know what he was going to do with them or whether he just did it because the player gets uh, gets appearance money or what, but I thought that was really strange to name two goalkeepers on the bench. Yeah, it was, was strange. Um, one of them must be able to play at centre-half, I think. Brian Johnson says, question Steve Hastie. Um, it's on the screen. What, he says, if it's called off, would you be happier than playing it? No, I want to play the game. I want to. I want the game played. I want the game played. And in, this, this is kind of your heart and your head, isn't it? You want? Do you want the game played to get City out of the way, or do you, or do you, or do you want the game played because it's a game and you want to be there and you want to watch it and. I, I'm, I just want the I just want the games to go ahead. I want it to be, I want to be focused, and I want to take the opportunities when they come. Um, mm. And I'm I'm worried stick that games just get delayed and delayed. And I know people are going to say, "Oh well, we'll we'll go out and come come January, we might have a a much stronger squad and this type of thing." But uh, I I just I just want to be there on Sunday, and I want to be cheering the team on, and I'm I, I want to I want to take take sort of pride in the fact that this squad should be able to get a result if they put the if if everything goes our way 
Um, I, I'm not. I'm not. Let's please have it off. Have the game cancelled or postponed to give us a chance further on because it, it it's it it might not necessarily pan out that way anyway. You know. Yeah. Exactly. What about you, Mitch? Same question to you, I guess. Just interesting. Well, your yeah, I'd rather play it. I'd rather play it. Get it done. Um, if, if the if the squad are feeling a little bit aggrieved after last night, and if the squad have got a little bit of fire in their bellies, uh, let's see them use it. Um, yeah. Because you, you just don't know if it gets postponed. You don't know what the circumstances will be when that next game rolls around and we've got to pick up and if, have we made a few signings but have we picked up a few injuries what what 11 are we putting out we, it, it's we, don't, we can't control these things the only thing you can control is the team you pick on the day and how you have them play that's it so we can we can all speculate about what might might not happen um, the reality is that the game's going to go ahead and and what's the circumstances now? The circumstances now is we've got a squad who are, who I would imagine are hurting a little bit, and so if that's a, that's something in, in terms of an energy we can use to have a pop at the champions, let's bring them to our place and have a go. Um, and let's let's see a few hurt people in terms of their pride. Um, having a little pop and, and who better than to have a pop out as the reigning champions and the so-called best team in the land. Yeah, yeah I would agree. A uh, question from Tom on the uh, screen and he says, uh, would you rest Callum Wilson again, Mitch, or would you play him on Sunday with him being one uh, one booking away from suspension? As Steve said before, Man City gives space and one thing Callum Wilson can do is exploit space. He's got to begin. Yeah. Again, You've got to play players. You can't play them worrying whether they're going to pick a pooping up and they're going to miss the next game. If it happens, it happens. And and we deal with it. Uh, yes, it's a concern because we don't really have the squad depth in that position to have the luxury to say, oh, well, such and such is there, so we'll be all right if he's out. Um, we, can't, we can't rely on that. No. Um, would you rather he scored the winner tomorrow and got suspended against Man United, um, or missed tomorrow and we'll lose the game, and then he goes, gets chucked there against Man United, and that doesn't go according to the plan. I know what I would rather happen. I'd rather yeah. see him get a hat trick and a booping and <laughs> say, right, there's there's an unexpected three points. Happy Christmas. Enjoy your, enjoy your day off. You know, um, that's what I would rather see. Play your strongest side. And, and he's got something which can you can exploit against Man City is space and pace. Yeah. The other thing, Mitch, as well, is that you could you could you could rest them against Man City and and have all your eggs in that basket for Man United, and then he could pull up injured in, in training, I... not be available. Yeah. So then your whole plan goes out the window. So what you what you what you've done um and sacrificed him not being available for Man City mm-hmm. and then you've lost out. So that's the I suppose this is why this is why managers get well paid. This is why managers um, are, are watching players constantly, and they get to know their squad. Mm. And in the case of a, an element of trust, because he's, he's, you know, if you were a manager, you would take Callum Wilson one side, and Callum will know that he's got a booking in him, and he knows that he's one place away from being suspended. 
But he's going to sit there and he's going to go, well, you know, I've got to play the game correctly. I've got to, I've got to, I've, for my team, I've got to go out and I've got to put 100% in. I can't have that worry of a booking that people are then going to criticise us for. So you, you're going to make him aware that he's one that he's one booking away from a suspension. But at the same mm. time, you want him to play his natural game. And his natural game involves getting into a tussle with somebody and then you get booked for it. That's football. That's you know, you 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 you, you sort that out um on, yep. on for the next game and you and you have a you have someone who comes in that replaces him and the squad understand what happened and it's just unfortunate. But if you don't play him against City and then he pulls up with a hamstring injury in training and then he's not available for Man United, and he's not available for Everton, and he's not available for Southampton and Watford. Uh, you know that's that's more than unfortunate. It's it's that, and it's more than bad luck. It's it's you didn't you didn't take the opportunity when you had when he was fit to play him. You know, so he, he has to play. Yeah. Um, that's why I was disappointed he didn't play, and it's kind of sacrificed it because there was. When we went one nil up, my first thought was right, get Callum Wilson on. <laughs> and I'm not, I know that seems ridiculous because the goal came so early, but my first thought was, well, one nil up now, get Callum Wilson on because he can hold the ball up front because there's nobody else up front that can hold it. I would have sacrificed ESM and I would have brought Callum Wilson on. Um, maybe, maybe he's carrying a little bit of a knock, maybe whatever, and I, 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 I don't know. But uh, for me, he's got to be. He's got to be there on the team sheet on on Sunday. He's got to be. He's got to be in the first eleven. Yeah, same for me. Yeah, you, you got to play your best players, and you know you want to see him on the yep. pitch, leading the line. And and as Mitch says, scoring goals. That's what he's paid to do. Um, any news from your perspective, lads? I mean, you know, we've all got different contacts, and we don't like to post false hope or give false narratives. But Dwight Gale, he's not getting a look in. He's got to be on his way out. Are you, are you hearing anything, lads, uh, on the grapevine? Be honest, no, not nothing at all. Not hearing anything. Just little snippets in the newspapers, and, and the same as everybody else is reading, where there's supposed to be one or two clubs interested in them. Um, but this has been going on for nigh on two seasons now, hasn't it? As far as Dwight Gill's concerned, um, but no, I've I've not heard any any whispers at all. Um, nothing from any of the contacts that we have that would give an indication that uh, that that he's on his way out. But nothing to say that he's staying either. <laughs> okay, mm. what about you, Mitch? Yeah, same as Steve. I mean, we had a weekly touch base with Stu through the week and. That that one name that's interestingly conspicuous by its absence in every discussion at the moment. It, it's almost like he's he's it's almost like he's not there. Um, and and there's always speculation about him. I still think there's a club in the championship would love to take him on, but when you look at the the data and the figures for clubs in the championship, who can take his wages on? That's the the, the big thing. No doubt we'll be left subsidising and paying some of it. Um, or will pay it off as he's transferred, but either or. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's clear he he's here to pick his paycheck up. That seems to be very clear. Um, we know he's certainly been at one stage, he was <clears throat> one of the moles in the dressing room, allegedly, uh, leaking left, right, and centre. It's um. So yeah, I mean, his time does seem to be done, uh, but I, I, 
I hear absolutely nothing concrete about what's happening with it. In terms of in terms of what you said there about the about having to pay part of his salary, you know what? It, it's a it's a, sh- a small price to pay if it's freeing up some space on the uh, yes. The- because everything's so yeah. tight. We've got four goalkeepers there, remember? So that was one space that got taken up one too many. Um, we've got this, there's, there's, there's his position. There's probably one or two others in the squad that you could say if, you know, that, that, are, that are not necessarily yep. safe, not getting a run around and uh, not getting a, a run in or, or a look in in any way, shape or form. There's this conversation that's going on about, about uh, Matty Longstaff and, and coming back. Um, you know, he's he's on that loan in, in, in Aberdeen and whether or not there's going to be space for him coming back into the squad or whether he would slot straight back in and into the under twenty threes and would cancel his his loan spell. Um and then there's there's there has to be space freed up for any new signings that are coming in. Um and it's 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 a difficult time to buy players, but it's also a difficult time to offload players unless there are mm. that those are players like Gale that would be desperately needed by, and there's two clubs there whose names propped up in, in terms of Stoke City and, and Middlesbrough. You know, two teams that are now in a position to move forward again in the championship to get into the playoff spot. So, but other players in our squad, are there other players that clubs would look at and go, he's just the sort of player I need to get us into a, into a playoff position? Um, and I, I wonder, I wonder whether that's the case on, on in that in that scenario. But certainly, there's got to be there's got to be players that are either going to fall out and they're still going to be paying their salary and not getting a look in because they're not named in the squad, or they're going to be bailed out to other clubs uh, and sold, or, or or go out on loan, uh, free up those spaces. And I think goalkeeping one is is one of the four. Um, yeah. Well, certain will 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 be gone in January to free up at least that one space. Steve, I've just been noticing that the back there, you've got some, you, you've actually gone all festive on it. I mean, I'm I sitting there with a yeah. backdrop. Mitch is sitting there on his back. I've got me, I've got me fast. I've got me little hat as well. You know that that I will already. I'm I'm g'd up for g'd up for it, man. Is uh, it? Is me card? I've got I've got the, obviously. I think I should explain to people that I'll have a sponsor. You know, so this is this is QTech. They've lashed out the money, uh, getting us a set of little fairy lights, which is very good. Thanks, John, for that. So I've got my fairy lights. I've got my star. I've got the I've got my Christmas stocking ready. You know, there's obviously there's going to be loads of presents coming into that one, isn't there? And then I've got my card. Uh, I, 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 I had a glance at there. You probably not believe this, but uh, that's actually from uh, from two two good friends of mine up at St James's Park. Uh, Amanda and her husband, me and dad, I don't know whether you know them at all, but they sent us the card, which was very nice of them. Uh, so there's the card up there for you, Steve. You, I noticed you're not showing your cards. I, they did not send you one either. I, I don't believe in cards. Do you not? All right, all right. Well, I, I told but, them not yeah, to send this you're one. You're not going to believe that that's who the card's from either, are you? <laughs> <laughs> notice uh, now, Steve, notice I didn't doubt you there. Uh, you didn't, you know. You never do, Steve. You never do. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Good job. We've got a bit of uh, well, good job. We've got a sense of humor. Um, Julie has uh, posted a message, and I, it's a it's a weird message. This it's I'm ready, Rachel. She says, and she's put three little cats. Uh, I wonder what that could be. <laughs> Hello. 
Troll of the week, Julie. I hadn't forgotten. And uh, as always, I uh, stick a tweet up, uh, usually, which is aimed at me. And uh, we've gone back to basics this week from Will Johnson, who uh, identified himself as a, as a Sunderland fan after this tweet. Uh, thanks, Will. Uh, much appreciated, mate. Really enjoyed uh, the uh, constructive tweet oh. and the, uh, the subsequent admission that you're a Sunderland fan. Thanks, mate. You're blocked. Yeah, we just a Sunderland fan, did we? No, definitely not. He was he was proud of it as well. Uh, Jeff says Steve got a card off the Robins. That's right. Aye, well spotted. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Um, I'm looking at the diary, lads, for next week. Should we do? Should we do the Thursday? Is that going to fit? If as long as you get here, Mitch, Thursday the twenty third. Should we do a Thursday? Aye, I don't think I've got a plan on that. Yeah. And do you want to do? Do you want to do it like in the afternoon and then go over something to eat? So should we? Should we maybe do eleven in the, eleven in the morning and then go over something to eat on the twenty third? Okay. Right. Okay. Eleven o'clock, folks. Those of you who watch the Three Amigos on a regular basis, we will go live from uh, NUFC Matters Central in Newcastle, and then we'll go over some scram. Uh, but we won't be taking you for the scram bit. We'll probably just do an hour next week. We might extend it, we'll see. Um, and uh, we'll all be together, which will be a first for this actual show. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mitch, have a safe trip over, mate. Looking forward to seeing you uh, in the flesh and uh, looking forward to sharing a beer with you and some food. And uh, Steve, overly bumming to you on Saturday. Thanks, as always. I keep saying it to everybody who tunes in. Over, well, almost 500 again watching at any one time live earlier on. Thank you to everybody in the chat as well who uh, who essentially does the uh, astounding job. Rachel, John, uh, Dave, Julie, uh, the uh, the admin. Great to have you in there and just keep an eye on the uh, on the chat for us as well. But uh, have can a great can weekend. I just, just say a big thanks as well, Steve, to everybody who comes over to the food bank uh, and and meets us and greets us and shakes my hand and uh, and 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 donates to the food bank uh, and has done throughout the year um it's 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 quite humbling and it's 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 rewarding and humbling at the same time um to 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 be part of of a great group of people who uh, who really really put the effort in and also i'd like a, a big thanks or big congratulations to uh to to my uh, my nephew's team yesterday who played uh, in a, a cup semi final um, under 16's cup semi final, they're through to the final. They won 7 0. Um, that school team they beat Benfield uh, 7 0. So they're through to the final in uh, which we played in March to 2022. Um, I found out that it's actually the final of the, of the 2019 cup, believe it or not, because the football season and the football calendar has been decimated so much in schoolboy football that this cup final that will be played in 2022 would have been the cup final that would have played in the 2019-2020 season. So that's Jeez. how it starts. So, hey, they might have been under-14s then and they're now under-16s, but they're in the under-14 cup final at 16-year-olds. So, well done, lads. <laughs> well done, lads. Fantastic. Uh, big shout-out to John Curry. Uh, I'm not going to go into the detail of, uh, detailed message he sent us, but uh, thanks for that, mate. It did mean a lot. And, um, you know, I'm glad you're OK as well. It was great to meet you down at Leicester. Uh, Jeff is offering the free talk-in in, in aid of the food bank. Jeff, 
contact Steve Hasty with any ideas or any details. Um, Matty Longstaff's loan period is up as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about tomorrow morning on the uh, the show with Mick Lewis and the lads. And we can also talk about Mr Hammond coming in, which we haven't touched on tonight. So we'll touch on that tomorrow no. morning, which should be good. Uh, but yeah, have a good weekend, lads. Uh, Steve, hopefully see you Saturday. Mitch, uh, see you tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock with Mick Lewis and the lads. Take care. See everyone. Cheers. Talking to myself again But it's easy